right, Libby, it's a new year. It's a new season of the OST party. Are you ready? Yes, I'm very excited to be here. Are you excited to rock? Yes, always. Are you excited to roll? Yes, 100% of the time. Are you excited for Footloose? Wait, what? Yeah, Footloose. Oh. That's the movie we're watching for this? Oh. Oh, you know what? I was thinking of it under the original title, The Boy Who Dances Away Oppression. Are you a Libby from another dimension or something? (laughs) No, I, I thought that was what it's called. I mean, that's what it's about, right? I mean, basically... Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans come together and have a rockin' good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I will be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight, as always, is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Joe. It's been a crazy week. This week has certainly been a year, hasn't it? Yes. (laughs) I have tried my seven-day trial of the year, and I do not like it. Take it back, please. I have the receipts. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, yeah, we're back from uh, the holidays, and we're ready for another, uh, well, bunch of adventures with the OST party, wherever this this wacky party takes us. And uh, this week on the show, we're discussing uh, a film that I think we all need right now. Yes, we absolutely do. Uh, You just, as we were watching it for this week's episode... I felt calm and, dare I say, joy for the first time in many days. Yeah, it's been a very stressful week for me for a number of reasons, but sitting down to watch Footloose this morning was just, it was just like a stress reliever yes. all the way through. <laughs> yes. It's such a joyful, odd, happy, funny, and extremely 80s film. Only in this film can you find a plot about people getting mad about rock music, and like, it's it's the most tame, saccharine, like, nonsense ever. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. The most extreme thing is a little bit of Sammy Hagar. Yeah, and it's... really, honestly, come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before we talk about... Uh... Footloose tonight. We have a poll from our Scrooged episode from last episode, from last week, rather. And uh, Libby, you've got that poll up. So how did things shake out? Uh, to no surprise, uh, Annie Lennox and Al Green's Put a Little Love in Your Heart took first place with 54%. Of uh, yeah. Coming in second place, kind of a little surprisingly, was uh, David Johansson's cover of Brown Eyed Girl. Uh, we Three Kings of Orient are by Miles Davis uh, came in at 18% and A Wonderful Life, uh, which I'm not surprised only came in at 4%, namely because I can't even remember who did it. <laughs> it was the one that wasn't Dan Hartman. Yeah. Um, you voted for that one, didn't you? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> like whenever there's a, a, a song on the poll that has one vote, I always assume it was Libby. Yes, but I think it was an accidental vote. Mm. So uh, you wasted your vote then. I oh. know. I feel bad. You can't take it back. Yeah, 
I mean, we have to tabulate the votes and they are what they are, you know? Mm-hmm. Boy, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying so hard not to get like timely and political on the show, but <laughs> good Lord, it's just been that kind of a week. Yes, it, yes, it has. Um, so Libby, tell us a little bit about Footloose. All right. So uh, Footloose, also known as the boy who dances away impression to, to my Yacht Rock fans, my Babylon sisters out there, uh, follows uh, Ren McCormick who's played by Kevin Bacon, as he helps free a small town, which is either in Utah or Oklahoma, we have not decided, from a dance band put in place by the Reverend Shaw, played by Jonathan Lithgow. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the meantime, he gets a hot girlfriend and teaches Chris Penn how to dance in what is frankly the most adorable scene ever put on film. It's It's fucking delightful it brings me so much joy we'll talk about that obviously a little later but even just thinking of it now you can hear the smile in my voice it just warms Mm -hmm. my warms my cold upstate new york heart yeah uh so i guess the first question i gotta ask you is uh like your first exposure to footloose (laughs) honestly um i only saw footloose maybe three years ago i mean obviously i know a lot of the music from it but i've got a real thing against kevin bacon why and well because in high school my friend caitlin was like let's go to the movies and i was like how about we go to the video store instead and she said no and we had a little one screen movie theater the park theater which is still in operation and at the park theater hollow man was playing Oh, no. And I am what is sort of lightly known as a late bloomer. And at that point, I had not seen a real penis. And so (laughs) I think I had seen like a couple of them. And one of them was Jeffrey Rush's in in Quills. Was it just like Jeff- Jeffrey Rush came to my house and showed me his wiener? Uh, like he does, yeah. <laughs> and so Kevin Bacon, like, flopping around with his dick everywhere, traumatized me. Yikes. I think the other time I had seen Kevin Bacon was in Wild Things, which is also where I believe you see his dick. And okay. so I was just like, I will never see anything with Kevin Bacon in it. Every once in a while, someone would be like, you want to watch Tremors? I'd be like, no, that's probably about Kevin Bacon's wiener. I mean, it's not not about Kevin Bacon's wiener. And so I was just like, I can't watch anything with him in it because I'm afraid he's going to take his pants off. And so I don't know what made me watch Footloose. <laughs> But I finally decided, like, now is the time. Oh, I, I know why. Because I, I bought the soundtrack and I was going to do it on OST. Or, sorry, let me take that again. <laughs> I bought the soundtrack and I was going to do it on Record Saturday. So I figured I should probably actually see this film. And I was pleasantly surprised. Not only do you not see Kevin's Bacon, <laughs> but it's actually just one of the most delightful films I've ever seen. Yeah. That's that's the size of it, yeah. Yeah, it brought me so much joy. So this watching it for this week's episode is only the second time I've seen it. Oh wow! Yes. Now, what about you? Uh, well, for me, I'm I'm pretty sure I've told a story like this on the show before, but uh, I watched like a criminally obscene amount of VH1 as a kid, and Footloose was always one of the movies that they just showed all the time. So I saw bits and pieces of it, like 
throughout my childhood just because. Sort of like I saw bits and pieces of Kevin Bacon. Sort of, yes. But also, like, my mom really loved it. So every time it came on, she just, like, insisted on keeping it on the TV. It's definitely a mom movie. Oh, oh, 100%. But, like, I don't think I had actually sat down to watch it start to finish, like, no commercials or anything until... I hate to say this. I think it was when the remake came out and I was like, all right, let's give the original an honest shake first. And I got to say they're both pretty good. Uh, one. No, I will not accept that. Anything that involves Blake Shelton cannot be good. Well, okay, as I'll, here's all I'll say about the remake. I think the only reason the remake exists is because somebody suddenly realized that Miles Teller kind of looks like Chris Penn, and they had to strike while that iron is hot. <laughs> that is not a compliment I would want to take. <laughs> well, Miles Teller, if you're listening, you know, eh, it is what it is. No, Blake Shelton comes from Oklahoma, and when you come from Oklahoma and you're a disgrace, and that's tough, but that guy sucks. I mean, he's people's sexiest man alive. How can he be off? How can he be bad? <laughs> I'm sorry. People's Sexiest Man Alive should never come from Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm sorry, Oklahoma. <laughs> so b- before we jump in to uh, Footloose, I-, I hate to say it. I hate to break this to you. We have a lot of billboarding school to cover. Oh, I'm not surprised. Half this episode's going to be billboarding school. Let's do it. Yeah, put on your uh, uh, cap and mortar and buckle up, everybody. Welcome to Billboarding School, the segment of the show where I talk about stats for half an hour. (laughs) Okay, so the Footloose soundtrack came out January 31st, 1984. It hit the charts February 18th at number 131. The top album that week was Michael Jackson's Thriller, because of course it was. Mm -hmm. The top soundtrack that week was The Big Chill at number 25. Ew. Yeah, it's like Forrest Gump before Forrest Gump. (laughs) Also of note this week, Quiet Riot's Metal Health was at number 15. Yeah. Which is going to come into play a little bit later, mm-hmm. I assure you. <laughs> uh, so this album chart uh, lasted 55 weeks on the charts, like a full year, basically. Peaked at number one for 10 weeks until <laughs> it was beaten by Huey Lewis at the n- in the news with sports. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Footloose. <laughs> No, that's great, because by that point, uh, it would have been 1985, and we were all getting really into Huey Lewis in the news because of Back to the Future. Yeah, it all kind of worms its way back around. Mm-hmm. Uh, fell off the charts in March of 85. That, that week, uh, the number one album was Wham's Make It Big album. Nice. The top soundtrack at number six was Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. With your favorite, Glenn Fry. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think uh, Shalimar had a song on the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. That's that doesn't surprise me. Yes, and then uh, yeah, a couple weeks later we would get uh, Back to the Future in May. Yep, yep, pretty much. Uh, so just like uh, Scrooge on our lap- last episode, this nine-track album spawned seven radio singles. All of them amazing. All of them amazing. Only one of them didn't crack the top forty. <laughs> like it was Im- immensely popular. Like I can't overstate how popular this was. <laughs> And I'm not going to try because that's, you know, that's a fool's errand. But what I will say is uh, last stat, I promise. Uh, the 1984 Academy Award for Best Original Song, two songs from Footloose were nominated. And neither one. They lost to uh, I Just Called to Say I Love You by Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other song, so I Just Called to Say I Love You, Against All Lies by Phil Collins, Footloose, Let's Hear It for the Boy, and the Ghostbusters theme. Oh, man. <laughs> really? How do you pick? 
Yeah, it's it, everyone a winner, you know? Yeah. It really, um, this is like the one and only time you'll hear me praise Phil Collins. Like, everyone a winner. Yeah, and that's not even that great of a Phil Collins song. Yeah, it's okay. But I fucking love Phil Collins. But speaking yeah. of Phil Collins, the weird thing here, the next year at the Grammys, I just called to say I love you, Footloose, and Against All Odds were all nominated for the Best Pop Vocal Grammy. And Phil <laughs> Collins won at that time. All right. So in some universe, there's like a third award they were all up for and that Footloose won. Yes. Well, uh, Footloose did end up uh, in the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress. Mm. As it should be. As it should be. Yeah. What about the film? Do we know if that film was like registered at the uh, as as a culturally important film? Because it It, should be. Yeah, it really should be. Um, I hope it's one of those that we like beam out into space so the aliens know. Take us to your Kevin Bacon. <laughs> and when and, Kevin Bacon is dead, that they will lay waste to the planet. Yeah, I, for one, welcome the aliens and the imminent death of Kevin Bacon. No, Kevin Bacon, <laughs> by all means, is probably a perfectly nice guy. My friend Matthew used to see him walking his dogs around the neighborhood, but he just needs to keep it in his pants. Now, unfortunately, by the time we air this episode... We could have President Mike Pence, who will have made dancing illegal by executive order. Yep. So something to consider. This could be an artifact from a time, briefly, when dancing was legal. It was illegal, rather. No, I'm saying this, like, uh, the recording of this. I got you. Yeah. I got you. Okay. Yes. And and in that instance, um, all we can say is uh, everybody cut. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what to do in that situation. That's an insurrection I had not planned for. Yeah, well, that, that'll that be the first thing he does is to ban dancing. I swear, if the FBI comes to my house because I said that on this podcast, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> they got their hands full right now making sure that t- making it, uh, terrorists cry on planes. Yeah, it, yeah. Honestly, I hope they would because it would mean somebody listens to the show. Oh. Oh, oh that's sad. Okay, so that's everything. Those are all the stats that I have. So let's talk about Footloose. <laughs> How how do we want to go through the film? I think let's just go through the film because yeah, songs are pretty constant. Yes, and like a lot of movies coming out at this time, uh, so Flashdance, uh, Streets of Fire, uh, Streets of Fire was eighty four, right? Uh, eighty three or eighty four, yeah, yeah. Um, the songs are for the most part played in full, yes. so this has that music video feel to it. Yeah, it's one of those films that that, that got uh, blasted for being too much like a music video, which in this era, it's like, yeah, that's the point. That's what we're doing here. Yeah, we just MTV is brand new and which is weird, especially when you think of how big sort of musicals were in the early days of film. Yeah, you know, you had these big musicals and then we sort of got away from it for a little while and then brought them not back, but sort of a a rock and roll resurgence. They weren't singing uh, the songs, but they were playing loudly in the background. Right, yeah. It's, it's like a different form of a musical, but it's still basically a musical. Yes, and they did make a musical of Footloose, uh, where they use Oof. a lot of these songs. I do not want to see it. I don't want to see it performed at your high school. They did perform it locally here, and I managed to sneak in the phrase, dancing away oppression. Because <laughs> I am nothing but Yacht Rock represent. So, I mean... It sounds like anywhere somebody is dancing to the Footloose theme, Libby is there to say they are terrible. (laughs) 
except you're like, except you're here. Like the, you're like the reverse Tom Joad, but Libby. <laughs> <laughs> you're the worst. I just, I just want only Kenny Loggins is allowed to sing Footloose. <laughs> Wherever Don't. there are kids dancing in a sawmill, you'll see me. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Where better to start than at the beginning? Because the first thing we see and hear in this film is the main theme song, Footloose. Yes, by Kenny Loggins. Let's go to a clip. Now I gotta cut loose, footloose. Now, over the credits, we just see people's dancing feet, which uh, I love because it kind of shows the the film's theme, which is that you don't have to be, like, a professional dancer. You could just, like, move how you feel. Yeah. It's- and it's not it's not one type of dancing or one kind of person because it's, like, it's people in cowboy boots. It's guys in Nike sneakers. It's girls in, in you know, ballet flats with leg warmers. It's everybody. Yeah. Everybody loves to dance. Um. Now, this is one of Kenny Loggins' most famous songs, and it really is. I and I I do love the log. This to me is a better song than than Top Gun. This is not his his first appearance on the podcast. No, um, not by a long shot. No, but uh, these are some of my favorites because this is one of those songs like Dexy's Midnight Runners, Come On Eileen, that instantly gets people on the dance floor it's just such pure joy and exuberance it's got like enough of a twangy kind of rock sound for the manliest of men but also it's kind of pop enough for your mother yeah and i mean it's 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 uh, to to borrow a phrase from you know the osmonds it's a little bit country and a little bit rock and roll like it's kind of everything all into one little perfect pop song yeah and it's it's as we move kenny loggins away from like the loggins and messina folk roots that he had he's not quite like the hard rocker that we yeah. hear on danger zone but he's still he's he's still moving into that that 80s sound where he will sit comfortably for several years Yes. Um, but this, the details of how this song uh, was written are, of course, in Yacht Rock episode 11. So that's the 100% true story of how this song got written. Mm-hmm. Now, the fake story <laughs> is that the, the, uh, the writer of the film co-wrote every song on this soundtrack. Yes. Which, uh, is, a, which is an amazing fact, if true. Uh, it, yeah, everything is attributed to Dean Pitchford. So, which yeah. I mean, the guy wrote Fame. And has a long history of musicals, so it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, it's not like he couldn't have done it. Like, it yes. Makes, cut away from the theme song. First thing we hear is uh, Reverend Shaw, John Lithgow, giving like this impassioned uh, sermon about how God is testing us. Every which, day is testing us. Which, honestly, this week feels very true. Oh, yeah. It's more true than what he knew at the time. <laughs> And then he's like, rock and roll music is the devil. I'm like, all right, there. Like, oh, that's... okay. And and that's like the first thing that I, I texted to you. It was like, oh, man, I forgot this was in that era where everything was satanic panic and, and moms were terrified that rock music was going to turn our kids into devils. Yes. Oh. And, 
Which is funny. When you've just heard Kenny Loggins, you're just like, yeah, I don't feel like worshiping Satan. Right. After hearing Kenny Loggins. Like, like if this this movie had, if this movie were really going to be about that, then Ren would be like a metalhead, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Showing oh. the value of metal, and then Striper would show up and play the theme song. <laughs> Honestly, we should make that Footloose. That'd be a pretty good Footloose. That they remade it like with a bunch of stupid country stars. They should have made it with metal because I just hear like the dude from Sonata Artica singing Footloose or D. Snyder singing "Let's Hear It for the Boy." I would I would be here for that, one hundred percent. Don't we even mess. We have so many good ideas in this podcast. We have great ideas. Let's let's remake Footloose again. <laughs> Get it right this time. <sighs> Eat a butt. Julian Blake Huff Snyder. can play the mom now, okay? <laughs> wow. Honestly, uh, Lori Singer could probably play the mom. Yeah, that's true. So, because that's just how we roll. Comparison of small town preachers: Jonathan Lithgow in Footloose or Ray Liotta in The Identical? Anti rock and roll preachers. Ooh, I mean, I'm gonna have to give it to John Lithgow because he's just so good. But Ray Liotta's way up there. <laughs> No, he isn't. He's terrible. I mean, it's it's John Lithgow versus Dennis Quaid in the remake, so, you know. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> De- Dennis, doesn't Dennis Quaid have a capital to overrun? Doesn't he have a cop to murder? Isn't he a big Trump guy? <laughs> oh, my God. Is he really? Yeah. Oh, my God. This is also where we first meet Kevin Bacon's character, uh, Ren McCormick, for the first time. Yes, and everyone's like, he's gorgeous! And it's like, no, he's not. It's like, I mean, he's Kevin Bacon. I mean, come on. Uh, for as for as much as they talk about how gorgeous he is in the movie, and like everything that I read talks about how he's like a a dog faced kid, which which seems kind of mean. I can't get over how awful his haircut is in this movie. Well, he looks like a hamster. <laughs> he does. He's hamster faced. Oh man! Well, it's just that weird patch of hair on the front of his head that like it's like I don't I don't know what to describe it as. It's it's like a sea urchin sitting on top of his head. <laughs> And it won't and it won't stay down. <laughs> it's awful, and all the girls love it. Yeah, and one of those girls is Sarah Jessica Parker in a very early role, and you see her up against Laurie Singer's Ariel. She really is that short. I have met Sarah Jessica Parker. She is tiny, and she's a bitch. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, she's a real bitch. That does not surprise she's, me at all. She's like, she's so little. <laughs> so she has to be, I guess. Well, yeah, because Matthew Broderick's only about an inch taller than she uh, is. That's true. The first scene is where we meet the main characters. We meet uh, the preacher. We meet his daughter, Ariel. We meet uh, Ren McCormick and his mom, who have just moved into town. And uh, we learn that this town is uh, very religious and very strict. And they have certain we... rules about yes. and rock music. And it's strange because... There's only one church in the whole town. Like, it seems like a fairly populous town. Yeah. But there's one Baptist church. Yeah. And, like, you, you would think that, like, other other uh, ministers or other pastors would, like, have a problem with whatever John Lithgow's doing, right? Yeah. But if, there's... If, if only to, like, you know, to drum up their numbers as well. It's like, oh, well, come over to our church. We're the church that allows singing and dancing. Yeah, like, my church doesn't have a thing with dancing. Yeah, like I certainly most churches don't that I know of. Yeah, it's it's baffling, but apparently it happened in real life, so I'm not gonna put it too happened uh, two places. This is based on 
a uh, a town in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Elmore City, um, which had an eighty year rule, uh, an eighty year rather ban on dancing that they got rid of uh, in the early eighties, and then um, Lyndon Washington in nineteen eighty one also banned dancing where liquor was served. Oh, okay. I mean, so there you, you see the the idea behind it, but it doesn't make it any better. And it's kind of the same oh, no. thing here in the film. Like the whole whole idea is that, you know, five years ago, there was a a, a very bad car wreck that involved the, the pastor's son. And they found out he had gone to a, a bar where there was dancing and music. And so the town banned dancing and music. So, so. no. Yeah. I get it, but also, come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but in in rebellion for her dad being a minister and there being no other outlet, um, Ariel, played by Lori Singer, uh, likes to play chicken, sort of. There's a couple different versions of it, including where she stands between two cars that are driving down the road while Sammy Hagar's uh, The Girl Gets Around plays. Yes. And they almost get killed by a truck. Yes. Uh, should we play a little clip of uh, Sammy Hagar? Yes, let's play some Sammy Hagar. She was born yesterday with innocent looks and a little down way boyfriend johnny lawrence says it's badass <laughs> sammy hagar it's the most kicking rad song on the soundtrack and yeah it's it's about it's, as offensive and rebellious as this movie gets yeah this is this is what will pass for i guess the devil's music right and uh in footloose if guitar- we hear a little quiet riot a little later but it's not on the soundtrack right if the guitar distortion is anything above two that's the devil's music <laughs> Yes, if it involves an electric guitar. Yeah. Electricity is the blood of Satan. That's right. You hear that, Bob Dylan? (laughs) So now, the whole idea of this being like, oh, it's a small town. I grew up in a small town and we never, at least that I know of, like went between cars, like standing between cars with trucks barreling down. I mean, maybe some dum-dums did. I was a home listening to the Smiths. So what do I know? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I lived in a mountain town where there was no there was no road straighter than about 30 feet. So uh, there, where would you have even done something like this? Yes, this seems like a very dumb idea. It's, it's, and... a, it's an extremely Midwestern thing to do, I guess. But uh, like, like, like we said, you would know more about it than I would. But Yeah, but I've never heard anything like this. No. Um, so, it, have you ever played uh, Weird Car Spread Eagle Chicken? <laughs> right into us at ostpartypod at gmail.com. Did you ever ghost ride the whip? Please let us know. <laughs> uh, so, in my notes, I wrote, before I realized this was Sammy Hagar's The Girl Gets Around, I wrote, this was anonymous rock music question mark. <laughs> that's, about, that's about the best descriptor I can give for this song. Yes. And this, uh, this and then uh, the song that precedes it, uh, somebody's eyes by Carla Bonoff are the only two that are really 
played from radios that appear on the yeah. soundtrack. Yeah. These uh for the most part it's sort of played live. I think it's it's a part of the scene rather than kind of the background. Mm-hmm. So, cuz they they're not interacting with it the way they will with with Footloose with holding out for a hero. Um and um let's hear it for the boy and so forth. Right. Yeah. How um, it's it, I don't it kind of gets to like there are are more dramatic songs on the soundtrack but this is definitely not one of them yes and this is this is padding yeah but um we also very quickly learn that Ren is a big city boy because he says that Slaughterhouse Five is a classic yeah yeah so it's like ooh he's a rebel yeah because they're 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 all the all the adults are sitting around and one of them goes like I hear the English teachers playing on teaching that book this year. They're talking about Slaughterhouse Five, <laughs> which yeah, that's a, that's a thing that's still going on too. Then that's not even like satanic panic. That's just like parents being weirdos about books. Yeah, that goes on to this day. You get like the banned book list, and it's always like, really, why The Handmaid's Tale? Why now? Yeah, that we're still banning books is, you know, is fascinating, especially because the people who want to ban books are always the people who are like, why are we canceling everybody? Like, bitch, you don't want people to read Harry Potter anyway. Right. And now there's a damn good reason to not read Harry Potter. And Exactly. You know. But we can't, we can't cancel that bitch. No. But y'all can? I'm not really sure where, it's, it's one of those, it's like that meme where like the, white hand is grasping the black hand yeah and it's like people who don't like jk rowling as a transophobe people who think harry potter is satan like we all agree i never read harry potter anyway so yeah neither did i who cares yeah i didn't give a shit harry harry potter who cares yeah now i feel justified well fuck jk rowling turf ass bitch yep now here's my question so she tells her dad after church which presumably gets out around noon that She's going to go to grab a burger or soda, I think is what she says, Yeah, with her, her girlfriends. And they pull up to the high spot. And it is clearly dark. She says she'll be home before dinner. Like, how early does the sun set here in Beaumont or whatever? Is that what yeah. it's called? Bo- like, uh, 1 p.m.? <laughs> yeah, really. And, also, and I noted, like, they did. she did her car stunt and it's like broad daylight. And her friends are all mad at her. And then they get to the high spot and they're still yelling at her like, how long have y'all been driving and also mad about this? <laughs> yes. I mean, I'd be mad about this forever, but still. Yeah. Um, and she pulls out uh, a forbidden cassette tape and mm-hmm. a boom box. And she plays uh, Shalimar's Dancing in the Sheets. Let's go to a clip for this one. I want to take you in the night never is Man, there are just drum machines all over this place. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love this scene in this movie because it's the most... uh, it's the most music video of all of them because it's yes. like it's a it's a montage of everybody in the in the burger joint dancing to this song. It's great. Yes. And which, again, I love because it sort of shows how music can really unite people. Yeah, exactly. It's just playing from this shitty boombox. 
and everyone is hearing it and everybody's dancing and everyone feels such joy uh they're dancing in the phone booth they're dancing in the uh dining room they're dancing while playing video games and again they're all each with their own kind of individual styles of dancing yeah yeah i'm so some fun facts about Shalimar. Uh, they introduced uh, body popping, pop and lock, in the UK. Oh, nice. And so they uh, they were a, a kind of funk post-disco R&B group. They're playing, this is like illegal music, and it is black music. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that Beaumont is a sundown town. You get that feeling, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> there are no black people in this movie. You are not wrong. <laughs> So actually, there was a the sort of area just over from where my grandmother lives mm-hmm. was the sundown town up into the nineties. Oh wow! Yeah, they still had the uh, the little sundown logo. I like I remember that. So that would have been up until the mid nineties was still uh, considered a sundown town. Yikes! But, yes, but yeah, this is a, a great little ditty. Um, it's just it's just fun eighties sort of uh, dance pop music. Yeah, and it's about sex. It's about sex. I mean, the name is scandalous alone. I know. And as everyone's getting down, uh, her dad shows up. And one of my favorite little bits in the movie is he shows up and he turns the tape off. And then, like, where what you where you would hear a record scratch, you instead hear the sound of Pac-Man dying in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I love little, I love filmmaking. It's so great. <laughs> Yeah, I just like those wonderful little sound details and edits. Tiny little and... touches like to, that make this like intrinsically 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and his excuses, oh, your mother didn't think you had any money with you. Womp womp. But he's very disappointed that she was listening to the rock and roll music. He's very disappointed in everyone at the burger joint. Yes, every single person there. You're all going to dad hell. Is... Yes, dad is very disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, the next day at school is Ren's first day at school. And he drives up in his, his tiny Volkswagen Beetle listening to Quiet Riot playing Metal Health. Because he is also Johnny Lawrence. He is, in fact, Johnny Lawrence. And he's from the big city where big city folk listen to heavy metal. And that's evil. Yes. Do we he's want to listen devil. to a clip of this song? Uh, if we didn't have so many others to get through, I would say yes. But y'all know this song. Uh, it bang your head metal health will drive you mad yes what what i think is interesting about this is at this exact moment in time when this movie came out th- that album metal health was the was the number one album in america it was yes it was uh, the first metal album to, to reach number one on the charts and suddenly it's in footloose <laughs> so it's not for the purposes of the movie it's not like devil music it's the most popular music in the country yes and that no one else seems to have heard it yeah, and that they're sort of surprised by it. I guess later uh, Willard tells us that there's, you know, there's only one music station, right, in the county. Nobody really listens to the radio, so uh, it's weird to think that, though, just with how interconnected we all are. So yeah, yeah exactly. But oh. yeah, that's that's just a neat little touch that I like that 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 Quiet Riot's in the movie, and also they were like it was just. Perfect timing. They were like number one on the charts when the movie came out. I think mm-hmm. it was perfect. So, yes. And uh, we we meet our our. Uh, I, I'm going to say the best character in the film. We meet Willard, played by Chris Penn. 
Yes, the late great Chris Penn. Oh, yes, yes. It's I I don't know how to describe Willard. I love him. I uh, one of the things I think we're gonna see throughout this is that this film so deeply rejects toxic masculinity and what we think of as gender norms, especially for this town and in the eighties. It is so not concerned with machismo. It really isn't. Yeah. And it is so refreshing, especially again in this this weird era of of incels and chads and mm-hmm. all these these different versions of masculinity, all with their own toxicities, and that this film is just going to show two dudes dancing together, and because dancing is awesome and fun, it doesn't make a big deal out of it. It's not even trying to say anything other than these guys, he's going to teach his friend how to dance so that he can better enjoy life. Right. And so. I, it's it's nice. It's kind of fun that uh, when Willard and Ren first meet, Ren makes a crack about his hat and how he asks him, like, where they where we bought that cowboy hat, do they make them for men? <laughs> and he thinks that's fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's got a good sense is. of humor about it. Like, he knows it's just a joke. Yeah. They're playful. Yeah. And so from there, you know, he kind of shows him the ropes, tells him about what's going on in the town, why there's no singing and dancing. And, yes. Uh, yeah. And they're talking about different music uh, when he's driving him around. And he asks, do you like Men at Work? And I'm like, I do like Men at Work. Men at Work's one of my favorite bands. Mm-hmm. And he I said, love and them. He, he does not know Men at Work. He's like, who? Yeah. Where do they work? Where do they work? <laughs> I actually have the lyrics to Down Under printed off on a handy 4x6 card that I got uh, at the Jupiter Bar in Seattle. Oh, nice. There you are. It's hanging on my wall. That's cool. Yes. So. And uh, then he asks him if he likes the police, and he ha- and Willard has to inform Ren that the police are right behind them. Yes, and they give him a ticket for rocking too hard. Mm-hmm. For listening to Quiet Riot out loud. <laughs> It's supposed to be quiet. Yeah. Why would they call it that otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's jump to the next song that we hear in the film. Uh, Libby, what do you got for us? So um, I have to find it. Oh, uh, well, we've met uh, Chuck, who yes. is, uh, I guess, our villain. I mean, our real villain is a town that doesn't allow dancing. But that's more of a complicated antagonist. Yeah, you can't punch that. Yes. Uh, Chuck is sort of your typical jack-off hayseed. He's the Biff Tannen of this. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, he calls Ren a pansy. And he says, I thought only assholes use the word pansy. Because, again, Ren is not here for your toxic male bullshit. And Chuck's uh, so mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> that he challenges Ren to a game of tractor chicken yes (laughs) and we briefly hear we've actually got two songs coming up uh in the scene prior we hear somebody's eyes by uh carla bonoff Mm -hmm. which is uh do you want to play a clip yeah let's play a clip of that yeah somebody's eyes are watching We 
realize that Chuck is Ariel's boyfriend. Right. And it's, this, as we said, is played on a boombox while they're making out. Uh, um, I think they're doing a lot more than making out. Well, for the film. they Well, you know what? They've just finished with she, I mean, she's putting the her, coitus. She's putting her clothes back on. Yes. They're in the, the post-make-out, post-sex. Yeah. Um, and they're listening to that again on her, her boombox. And this song, um, you, the drums in the intro, when you listen to this on, uh, on the album, it's on the B side. First make me think that it's going to be, let's hear it for the boy. <laughs> and then it's not. No, but it's got like that screechy guitar solo that was required by law in the eighties. Of course. And, um, Lyrically, though, it's kind of foreshadowing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's just such a. This one didn't really register for me. It's no such a a, a plain kind of eighties pop song, really. Yeah, it's it's album filler. Yeah, yeah. And and what's what's neat about this, as we said, is the the movie knows when it's got a hit. And it knows what needs to just sort of be in the background. And this one was released as a single, I believe. Yeah, I think I think you're right. This is the one that didn't crack the top 40. This one hit 109 on the U.S. charts. There were a lot of other songs that sounded like this at the Mm -hmm. time. So there was no reason for this one to to crack. If if I'm uh, if I'm let's see, I'm looking at the seven songs that were released here. The other six are fucking bangers. Like this one's the only one that really. I understand why it didn't chart that well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just not it's, that. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not that impressive. It's not, you won't skip it, but you won't really pay attention while you're doing it. Because coming up, we've got uh, our friend Bonnie Tyler returns with another Jim Steinman-led hit with uh, Holding Out for a Hero. Hell yes. <laughs> Played as they are slowly racing tractors towards each other. <laughs> it's the most upbeat, so, up tempo song in the film to the slowest action scene of all time. <laughs> and it is so passionate and so exuberant and so, so stupid. But the film, like, 100% commits to it and it works. <laughs> and what, what you were talking about earlier about sort of the this film rejecting toxic masculinity. Uh, Ren only wins this game of chicken because his shoelaces get stuck to the tractor. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's not the big buff, uh, you know, take no shit hero. He's just a guy who got lucky, you know. Yeah, he's a dumb shit. He's just an dumb absolute shit. dumb shit. <laughs> but um, this the AV Club described this as having some of the worst excesses. The song of um, yes. Okay. Of the genre, and definitely of Jim Steinman. Uh, oh, yeah. Because it just got, you know, those, those ridiculous drums and the like, way overwrought vocals of Bonnie Tyler. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't dislike any of that, though. <laughs> no, it's, it would have worked in Streets of Fire. It really would have. And what surprises me about this one 
is that she was shown this footage and she sang the way she sang anyway. <laughs> They're like, sing to this. That's how you know Bonnie Tyler is a champ. <laughs> she is a class act champ. Now, the video for this has nothing to do with the film Footloose and it involves cowboys, neon whips, and a house on fire. It is truly extreme. I've never seen that. Okay. It's a fucking lot. Wow. <laughs> yes. And now a, an early draft of this actually did appear on uh, as uh, just an instrumental on uh, Jim Steinman's Bad for Good mm-hmm. album. And then they refined it and gave it to Bonnie Tyler. But see, my favorite version of this, if you could believe it, actually appears on the Shrek 2 soundtrack. I know that version. Jennifer Saunders sings that, doesn't she? In the film, yes. The yeah. soundtrack version is the band Fru Fru. Oh, okay. Okay. And it rules. Okay. I hadn't heard that. That, yes, that is sort of my preferred version because you get all of the like wind and lace passion of Bonnie Tyler just with the, the metal aspects, the piano metal aspects of Jim Steinman just dialed down a notch (laughs) and set to a dance beat and you're like okay this works this is where this song was meant to be right and i I remember hearing that song for the first time you know 15 years ago or whatever and just kind of assuming it was a disco song at some point and i think that version is what is kind of what sounds like that this doesn't sound so much like that yes and when i finally heard this one i was like so that's what it sounded like originally, really. Yeah, it's a, a little more, um, a little more cor- uh, cornball and uh, emotional, but it's it's still pretty good. Yeah, she's rocking just so hard. Absolutely. For a couple of guys driving tractors towards each other. You ever watch two cats slow fight? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what this is like. Where there's just like there's one paw raised and then the other paw, and like five minutes later they tap paws. <laughs> It's a profoundly stupid scene. So Ren wins this game of chicken. And then the next day he goes back to school. And I have to note here, he's in the classroom by himself, studying, I guess. And on the wall, on the chalkboard, it says, assignment number one, due April 16th. And I have to ask the question, what kind of calendar does this school operate on? (laughs) And also, where are the teachers? Because there are none. Well, there's a teacher that comes in when another student tries to entrap him with the marijuana. I wasn't sure that was a teacher because he kind of looked like a drug dealer to me. <laughs> no, because the student offers him the devil's lettuce. Right, right. And then he's like, no. And then the teacher's like, you're causing too much trouble, Ren. And he goes and like threatens to flush it. Okay. And yeah, I was a little confused by that because I think everyone is wearing a polo shirt. Everyone has like a pen, like a pencil thin mustache, and everyone has feathered hair. It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. So, um. But so Ren, but, Ren's uncle accuses him of doing drugs after this. Yes. And he gets extremely mad about that, so he runs off to the flour mill where he finally has found a job and decides to dance it out. <laughs> yes, he dances out his feelings, and I think the closest we've truly come to understanding Ren in a modern context, is Jimmy Jr. on Bob's Burgers. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Because <laughs> Jimmy Jr. really is like the modern Ren. Like he just wants to <laughs> dance. That's all. Don't tell me not to dance, Dad. That's right. 
But he sort of dances out his feelings to a series of flashbacks from the last 20 minutes. Right. We're still in the first half hour of the film. <laughs> it's sort of like the second episode of Clerks where they're flashing back to the first episode. Yeah. That nobody saw because they came in 30 minutes late. <laughs> yes. Um, but this is uh, never performed by the band Moving Pictures. So let's go to a clip. Never, 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 ever hide your heart. the way that watching this movie on TV kind of works is you get some of the songs and scenes jumbled up. I honestly thought this scene was scored to I Need a Hero. See, that's funny because I always thought this scene, having never seen the movie but knowing the soundtrack, I always just assumed this scene was scored to I'm Free, Heaven Help the Man. Oh, okay. I mean, either one of them would have worked here. Yes, because um, if somebody's eyes is just you know, bland and ineffectual, uh, never might as well just not even exist. Yeah, really. This song is, again, it's got those, like, super neon synths. They add a saxophone that sounds like a toy. (laughs) Like, you ever been at a wedding where the DJ brings out the inflatable saxophone and your Aunt Doris, who's had a couple of Mai Tais? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, plays along with it's still rock and roll to me, like, out on the dance floor. That's exactly, like, if that inflatable saxophone had a sound, <laughs> that would be the saxophone here. Oh, in, yeah. Uh, movie pictures never. Definitely. Oh, boy. So. And uh, have you ever seen the movie Hot Rod? No. It parodies this scene spectacularly, and it uses <laughs> the exact same song, too. <laughs> well... Unfortunately, these guys have never been paid royalties for this song. Oh, man. that's a- These guys, moving pictures, they were pretty popular in their native Australia. They had a couple hit singles, um, and their debut album was the number fourth best-selling album that year. Oh, wow. So they had planned to tour um, in support slots with Hall & Oates, Tom Petty, REO Speedwagon. They had all these dates lined up in America. And then Elektra their album or their label rather reorganized and all of that disappeared oh my god yes so they never quite made it to america they were on the soundtrack but this was really kind of it the band fell apart in 1987 and they've done some some reunion stuff but they just never quite had it and it seems like we've got one of those on every album Mm -hmm. like somebody who you know had this hit it's this sort of they're the we say this every episode. They're the Bricklin. <laughs> we should we, we should like, establish the the Bricklin Hall of Fame for one hit wonder rock bands. <laughs> we should. I'm sure the King of Prussia uh, of Commerce would love it. This was the Historical Society, but yes, maybe okay. Bricklin can present every. They can present the Bricklin Award every two weeks. <laughs> the Bricklin Memorial One Hit Wonder, Aww. the soundtrack category. It's just a golden brick. <laughs> See, we do, we, we do. We have the best ideas here. We really do. There was a Japanese language version of this song recorded by Mai of VJ pop band Pink Lady. Oh, wow. So the song did have a second life. 
I mean, good for them. I, I hope they made money off of it some, at some point. Probably not. <laughs> good God. Okay. I guess they don't ever play this one live because they don't make any money on it. Maybe not. Maybe so. not. That's a shame, though. Yeah. Hey, I don't blame them. Yeah. So this is, at, at this point in the film, Ren realizes what he has to do. He decides that what they need to do is they need to have a dance for the kids in town. Yes, and Ariel has met him at the uh the warehouse and I, the only I here's what I got to say about Ariel. She's a messy bitch. This girl has a death wish, I think. Yes, I actually wrote that exact line. She has a death wish. Um he briefly calls her a slut and it's like, dude, you're sweating Miller High Life at drugstore cologne having just danced out your feelings to moving pictures. So maybe don't pass judgment on other people. <laughs> yeah, you don't get to make um, that call, dude. Yeah. So I um, Yeah, she he, immediately finds him at the at the sawmill and or whatever it is. It's a, a a flower factory. And she immediately like jumps in front of a train. And Which honestly is what I would probably do <laughs> if I had seen Kevin Bacon in a tank top. <laughs> immediately jump in front of a train at the sight of Kevin Bacon's wiener. Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um and but it's kind of neat because she takes him over to the train tracks. Uh, she says she has what they call the yearbook, which is this shed full of quotes, mm-hmm. just music quotes, poetry, uh, lines from books, and that is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I wish we had something like that. I uh, wish we had something like that, but I realize my sixteen-year-old self would have probably squandered that and wrote something. Oh yeah, it would have absolutely been filled given when we grew up it would have been nothing but like lincoln park quotes oh yeah it would have been lincoln park quotes and then in the middle of it there's one like tiny little like dare to be stupid right in the middle where i wrote a a weird owl thing yes and then let's see what else uh semi-sonics closing time would be quoted i'm trying to think of what was quoted in my high school yearbook um but it's yeah, Caitlin Olson quoted every new beginning comes from some other beginnings and it's like bitch it's 2001. Ugh, barf. That was yeah, it was terrible. Um I mean I love quotes. I used to keep quote books. Um but most of them frankly are dumb or from MST3K. That's um I did, I used <laughs> to keep like a, a a Microsoft Word document with fun quotes that I, li- I liked and Yeah. And then you put them in your uh your instant messenger bio. Of course. You make yeah. the yeah, away messages out of your stupid quotes. Of course. Um, so maybe it's better that we don't have a shed to write them in Sharpie marker mm-hmm. on. And but um, what is AOL instant messenger if not the shed in the in the woods that nobody can go to anymore? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, man. Um, yeah, though, her stepping in front of the train, this is what happens when you don't let your kids listen to the rock and roll music. I know. You you uh, you throw away one quiet ride CD and the whole thing just burns to the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but here's what I don't understand is they all seem to drive motorbikes. We see Willard pull up on a motorcycle when um, Kevin Bacon has this great idea that they need to have a dance. Yeah. And a motorbike is basically a motorcycle. So Willard is basically in a motorcycle gang. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, even if it is like, it's basically like a, a, a dirt bike. Like it's the country version of a Vespa <laughs> scooter. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Given this town, you'd think they'd be like, well, those are those motorbikes. You'd think they would make the kids wear helmets, but apparently that's not important. Dancing is more dangerous. Yes, than getting hit by cars while not wearing a helmet. It's 1984, though, so I don't think helmets have been invented yet. That's true, yeah. 
<laughs> they were still riding around in cars with no seatbelts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the 80s, man. What can you say? Yeah, that was the 80s. But um, first, they have to actually hear some music. So they go to a bar where we hear John Mellencamp's Hurt So Good. And I'm starting to think that maybe uh, Reverend Shaw was onto something about banning rock and roll music. <laughs> yeah, uh, John Mellencamp, that's uh, one of those words in that title is correct. <laughs> this song hurts. Yeah, this is a bad song. Thankfully, it's not on the soundtrack. No. Um, I think they then go into Foreigner. Yeah. Which is just like, man, this is the worst bar in the world. Yeah, like Will, uh, Willard admits to uh, to Rusty that he can't, or he, he admits to Ren that he can't dance, and he and Rusty go sit down. And then it just like fa- fast forwards to uh, the slow jam, Waiting for a Girl Like You, where Ariel and Ren are slow dancing on the floor. It doesn't seem surprising, though, that Willard can't dance. Dancing is illegal. Yeah. So, you know, that shouldn't that shouldn't come to a surprise for anybody. But finally, someone gets the good sense to put Footloose by Kenny Loggins on the jukebox. And his girlfriend, Rusty, gets up and she's like, she goes and dances because you have to dance when you hear Footloose. I played Footloose at my wedding. <laughs> so because I knew everyone would dance to it because it's, I hang out with Yacht Rock nerds. It's actually illegal to not dance to Footloose. It is. Um, So just keep that in mind as you're you know, planning your wedding. I was, so after this, even today, uh, I finished watching the movie and then had to go to uh, rehearsal for Angel Street. And backstage, I was dancing. <laughs> I was just like filled with Kenny Loggins' energy. That's beautiful. So, uh, <laughs> but um, Rusty, Rusty, is that her name? Yeah, that's her name. Yeah, that's, that's Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah. Yeah, I keep thinking I was going to call her Rough, which is the inspector in Angel Street. Uh, so oh. Rusty is uh, dancing with what is described in the credits as Fat Cowboy. Yep, that's a Fat Cowboy. <laughs> yes, and Willard is not having it. Oh, and no. And he starts shit. He does not finish it, however. Willard gets his ass beat, yeah. Yes. And oh. Yeah, so they uh, uh, Ren takes them all home, and that's where they kind of explain to Ren the the car crash that happened and why the town is the way it is and and it was Ariel's brother yeah that's what you that find. got it's killed her, her brother yeah which she's remarkably chill about yeah well I mean she's got a death wish so I don't know about that but it's just like oh yeah and her brother died and she's just like in the car yeah yeah this is where it happened it's okay yeah so um... but it, that's that's the sad scene that then can transition us into maybe the the most uplifting joyous scene in the film yes um which he's they they decide they're gonna throw a dance which they decide in the shower and you see a butt you see a butt it's a pt film but there's a a man butt yeah you think you're gonna see kevin bacon's wiener but you don't it got pretty close libby was about to shut the film off yeah this is where i was like oh no it's happening again I was like, I was legitimately like, I'm not, no. This is, and then, like, they cut away, and I was like, okay, thank you. I do have the word butts underlined in my notes. <laughs> but if Footloose brings you joy, then Denise Williams' Let's Hear It for the Boy will just make your heart explode with rainbows. Let's just go to a clip. I just want
I love this song so much. I love that synth bass line in this song. <laughs> it's so good. It's so fun. And I just, I, this is what, again, a, a song they play in full. Yep. It's a perfect uh, video. And it's him teaching Willard how to dance. Mm-hmm. And there is, you know, there's, there's nothing but joy there that he's going to teach his friend how to express himself through dance, uh, you know, walking him through the hallways. And you just, you see that come through in Willard. Yeah, you just... And it's so beautiful. It starts out, we stand a bromance legend. I love this, yeah. It starts out small and teaches him to just, like, keep the you know, keep time with the finger snaps and tapping his toe. And then they work, they move up to, you know, the next level, which is, you know, walking and, and, and dancing to a beat. And then they're actually... He's showing him in the gym how to do dance moves. And it builds to this moment where you see Chris Penn just basically break dancing in the middle of a field. <laughs> Yeah, which is what happens when you don't have any black people in town. Pretty much. Pretty so you have to leave your breakdancing to Chris Penn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Um, and yeah, that he sort of, he makes the dance his own. And that the two of them are just out there dancing. Mm-hmm. Just for the love of it. It's, yeah, it's very, it's very light. It's very fun. It's just, like, people just enjoying music and enjoying each other's company. And, like, that's what this is all about it's it's not salacious it's not sexual it's just two people enjoying music and enjoying dancing like what's yes and it it feeling the music move through their bodies and expressing in the joy of dance Mm -hmm. so and i don't know about you i just i fucking love dancing all the time i have i have three left feet so you know (laughs) it's okay no i just i love i dance all the time my husband and i on new year's eve just danced around our house and i'm not a particularly good dancer i'm mm-hmm. um, but i just love doing it i just i love moving and i used to go out dancing a lot when i lived in new york city um and i just have fun doing it and that's that's the most important thing for me is like are you having fun and go for it yeah so i'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh of dancing so i uh, so the scene really makes me, makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And so we were down for a little bit, and then we came all the way back up, and now we jump straight back down because the last like stretch of this film, a there's no music, but b it's like the dark emotional place that they we all have to go to before we can dance again. Yes, uh, there's a little. They touch briefly on teen dating violence mm-hmm. because Chuck kicks the shit out of. Uh, Ariel. Ariel, yeah, which is like weirdly glossed over. Yeah, they just kind of that scene is brutal, and then it never comes up again. Yeah, it's it's awful. Yeah, now how do they cover that in the the remake? I honestly don't recall. Okay, um, the only thing I remember about the remake really is that the let's hear it for the boy scene is pretty much done like one for one and it's like left intact basically Mm -hmm. because like they they had a hit there so just don't mess with it yeah don't mess with perfection um now we hear a little bit from jonathan lithgow who says when kids dance together they become sexually irresponsible and you just hear his wife sigh it's like, yo, uh, a poor frustrated woman yo john did you not see the last scene in this film (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, also, it's just like, she's like, you know, we used to look at each other and get excited. He's like, good night. <laughs> excited? What? Not me. No, never. Yeah, somebody get Diane Weist a, a rabbit. <laughs> Please. A poor woman. Um, although it's funny because when she's laying there with her hair down, I realize she looks exactly like my friend Natalie. Oh, wow. Who, um, I don't know if I told you, following us talking about Mission Hill. Mm-hmm. I actually reached out to Natalie and we've gotten back in touch. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So I was like, Hey, I was just, you know, I was just thinking of you. How have you been? Mm-hmm. And she lives in New Jersey. Now she looks exactly the same. <laughs> like it, it's horrifying how exactly the same she looks. That's amazing. Like you bitch. How did you not age? I am like, I'm mad. She looks great. <laughs> so yeah. I don't, oh, I'm... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. I guess I owe you that. Um, and uh, somebody puts a brick through Ren's family's window, and his mom loses her job because his her son likes dancing. Yeah, and like it wasn't enough to just throw it through the window; it had to be through like the window of a small child's bedroom. Like, really? Yes. That's that's rough. Even for a movie, and, that's rough. Yeah, it's just dancing, people. Yeah. And then, wow. in the very next scene, uh, we find out that the pe- the townspeople have gone to the library and are just straight up burning books in the middle of the town square. And the reverend has to put a stop to this because he realizes, like, now they've gone too far. Yes, and he says, uh, Satan's not in these books. It's because he's in J.K. Rowling's heart. <laughs> Yes, don't you people know anything? <laughs> and um, but I, I, he has a. I, I had to stop. Like I had to stop that at that scene because, like, man, wouldn't it be nice to have like a leader who actually like stopped people from doing bad things in this country? Yeah, imagine that. But he tells them to sit in judgment of yourselves. Mm. Go home and sit in judgment of yourselves, which is actually really good advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because y'all need to. Uh, you know, just just think about what you've done, not worry so much about your neighbors. We forgot to mention, though, very quickly, um, before we forget, uh, his mom, Ren's mom, is played by Frances Lee McCain. Yeah. Who was, uh, Leot- who was um, Lorraine Baines's mom in Back oh, to the Future. I knew she looked familiar. Okay. And she was uh, Billy's mom in Gremlins. Really? In the same year. Yes. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yes. So she looked really familiar, and I was wondering if she was the mom from The Karate Kid, because I knew I had seen her recently. <laughs> you look so familiar. Do I know your mother? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. So, yeah, it's at this point where, you know, uh, Reverend Shaw is, is giving his next sermon. And he's, he's basically scolding everybody for being a bunch of assholes who burn books and stuff. And he straight up says, if we don't start trusting our children, how will they ever become trustworthy? Which is a really, a really great point. Yes. It's, uh, it's you, know, get, you know, kids have such a, a short leash nowadays. Even back in the 80s, I guess, they had a short leash, but they, it's, it's even shorter now. So mm-hmm. where, wh- how do we expect kids to grow up if, if we're helicoptering out over their shoulders every five minutes yes um and i think what i like about this is that he doesn't he doesn't go start dancing crazily himself 
he reacts in a way that's true to him because mm-hmm. he asks everyone to pray to guide them right as they go to this dance so you know make sure that they're protected and they're safe because that's true to him that's how he expresses his love but it's still we're gonna let them go to this dance right it's a realistic kind of change of heart sort of moment Mm -hmm. yeah i get it it makes sense to me and i really like that um and we have uh our next kenny Loggins song coming in this montage this is i'm free heaven help the man Mm -hmm. let's uh let's go to a clip So much of the music in this, I feel, is really misplaced. Really? Yes, because this song is, again, it's like that really, like, rockin' Kenny Loggins. Mm-hmm. It's, like, half ballad, half rockin'. He's being, like, so, like, passionate, and it's they're decorating for a dance. Yeah, really. You're, I, I see what you mean with this one. This one feels much more, like, this one would have been perfect for the uh, scene where Kevin Bacon dances his, his frustrations out. Yes. Even the tractor chicken scene, you know? Yes, but um, yeah, this yeah, we're starting to see that that branch from Kenny Loggins moving from folk to his slick '80s edge. Uh, this, of course, is produced by David Foster, um, who produced fucking everything in the '80s. Right. Um, now the video for this to show you how misplaced it is, where some kids ride some motorbikes and hang up some party decorations. The video is Kenny Loggins breaking out of jail and looking for his girlfriend, who's played by Virginia Madsen. Holy crap. It is way more badass than anything in this film. Okay, well, I got to go check that out now. <laughs> God. So, that's, I, I, Dean Pitchford made some weird choices in where these songs appeared. Right. Because they are really just like, hanging balloons and i i think part of it is like the songs that they got were not necessarily the songs they needed for certain scenes like i think everybody mm-hmm. wanted to have the big explosive hit so they got like four big explosive hits <laughs> and you had to stick them somewhere you know yeah it's um i don't know but uh they, it was a weird choice it's a great song oh yeah it's a good one but sure. um very very odd choice but we, and then but we are barreling towards the end here because like the last thing we got to do is have the dance but not before a ridiculous fight scene breaks out well yeah um because this is the 80s now kevin bacon picks her up in a red tux mm-hmm. a red tux jacket i have a very similar jacket and i did not realize this until i wore it when i was conducting the catskill symphony orchestra Ooh. and they have a conductor contest every year where uh members of the community vie to conduct the end of the orchestra they do stars and stripes forever and whoever raises the most money for the orchestra gets to do it and i i was asked and it was a great honor and so i decided well i'm a conductor i have to wear a tuxedo so i bought this red tuxedo jacket on sale at forever 21 and i got home and put it on with my tuxedo shirt realized i looked exactly like kevin bacon (laughs) at the end of footloose oh wow I'll, I'll send a picture over but um like that's a keeper right there yeah. <laughs> i mean I, my hair was a little longer than that so it is a little feathery it's not quite a feathered <laughs> mullet but 
close enough, right? It's it's not great. <laughs> so, yeah. On so now yeah. when they sorry. Oh, when they arrive at the dance, everyone is just standing there. So in classic prom style, of course. Um, while the love theme, uh, almost plays, and that is almost paradise. By Mike Reno of Loverboy and Ann Wilson of Heart. Yes. Let's go to a clip. I did not realize this song was from this movie. I've heard this so many times and it just never registered to me that this is from Footloose. Yeah. And for some reason, I think I thought this was from the soundtrack to Vision Quest. Huh. I think I was getting it confused with uh, Only the Young, which is by Journey. Because, again, they have that big, like, arena rock sound. Yeah, yeah, it does. So, and because this one is written by Eric Carmen, who is uh, the Jim, he's Jim Steinman for moms. <laughs> because, of course, Jim Steinman is Jim Steinman for dads. Yeah, exactly. Like, Jim Steinman rocks really hard, and Eric Carmen. <sighs> It's sort of that, like, now you hear, like, that American Idol type yell singing. Yeah. It's, like, supposedly, like, it's a big sound, but it's ballady, and that's all Eric Carmen does, and that is exactly what is happening right here. Yep. And I, so. I, the dance starts off, and nobody's nobody wants to dance. Partly it's because, like, well, they've been banned from dancing for so long, I think they forgot how. But also, like, everyone's just waiting for Ren to show up. Well, yeah, exactly. Now... Fun fact about this song, um, Eric Carmen would take this on the Dirty Dancing Tour. And he really? would sing it for that. So even though the song is from Footloose, they used it in another Forbidden Dancing movie. Ah. So um, this is that kind of classic 80s power ballad you can set your watch by. Every movie oh. was required by law to have one yep. of these. And, uh, you know, this one, for, for, what it's, for, for whatever it's worth, this one is a pretty good one. Mm. I like it. Yeah, it's a little cheesy for me. It's super cheesy, but like to me, that's the that's par for the course with '80s songs. Like you kind of have yeah. to expect a little bit of that. I guess, but um, yeah. So they're all just standing there, um, and we see Reverend Shaw briefly, and he hugs his wife, and she's like, "It's like we're dancing," and you're like, "Oh." <laughs> Yay! But oh no, the police have shown up. We forgot about Chuck. Oh no, Chuck and the boys showed up. And they're, they're intent on just picking a fight with, with Willard for no reason, really. They just want to yeah. They just want to beat some ass, really. Yeah, and Willard's like, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to rip people's throats out yet because Roadhouse hasn't come out. And uh, then he, they fight him, and then Mr. Miyagi shows up and kicks all of them in a certain... Nope, sorry, wait, that's the Karate Kid. I'm getting those movies all confused again. I mean, you're pretty close uh, because Rin... Jumps off a loading dock and spin kicks someone in the face. <laughs> he like dance kicks. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Bob Fosse kick. Yep, exactly. And like uh, uh, Rusty, like Rusty tells Willard not to fight, and then when they start kicking Willard's ass, she's like, "Rusty, what do you want me to do?" And she just screams, "Fucking murder him!" <laughs> um. Yeah. So yeah, they of course they win the fight, and 
Kevin Bacon runs down the stairs and screams, let's dance. And then they dance. And then the movie. Yes. Yes. And they finish their dancing to, uh, to Footloose. And Willard, I believe, has invented slam dancing. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just like chest bumping into people. And every, you know, everybody gets their, their one moment in the dance circle to do their thing. And then Willard jumps in and just kind of, I don't know what that dance is where you cross your legs back and forth, but that's, that's all he does. The Charleston? The Charleston, he just does that. Yeah, and it's such, again, a scene of pure joy. I love scenes of dancing in movies and not, not, I mean, obviously it's all choreographed, but just scenes of people on a dance floor. And I think the most recent one that really like got me in the same place that this does is the, um, the scene in Black Klansman mm-hmm. where they're in the nightclub. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Like that just moved me to tears. Like just seeing people on a dance floor. And especially now when everyone's just, just, just here to have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone it, like, because we, we can't be on that dance floor now. So maybe it was that like, just, I miss dancing with my friends. <laughs> just miss being with people. Yeah. I get that for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, that just everyone came out and had their moment to like show off their dancing and they were finally free. We get a second uh, reprise of I'm Free by Kenny Loggins. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only apparently had a Kenny Loggins tape at this dance. Yeah. And also <laughs> Kenny Loggins greatest hits and that was it. Also, like the last five to ten minutes of this film, it's just raining glitter, which has to be <laughs> hell on those on those rented tuxedos. Oh, Yeah. I feel so bad for the the uh, the tux the, the tux rental the next day. Like, actually, no, I don't feel bad. He's gonna make bank. Those kids are in trouble. <laughs> also, just where is that glitter coming from? They manufacture it at the plant. <laughs> <laughs> they sprinkle it on the floorboards above. And there's actually people working, and they're just walking. Oh, those people are dancing it's... too, and it's just raining down. <laughs> it's raining glitter. Oh my god! Hallelujah. <laughs> But that's Footloose, everybody. I mean, we didn't need to explain the plot to you because you've seen this movie. But hell, it's it's a fun time. It's such a delight. Uh, I found it on Hulu, which I was really excited about. It's also so. on on Amazon Prime too, so it's it's pretty much everywhere. But it is it's widely available. Make sure you get the good version, not the crappy new version. But uh, yeah, the soundtrack, the soundtrack out there, you know, it's widely available. I got mine for a dollar. So yes, and there was a reissue uh, a couple of years ago. That included Hurt So Good and Mental Health and, you know, some of the other tracks heard throughout the movie. But, and Waiting for um, Like You and uh, Shalimar's Dancing in the Sheets, the extended six-minute remix, which I have, yes. I have in my hand right here. Very nice. <laughs> um, yeah, the version I am looking at uh, cost me $2, and I, it is on vinyl. Oh, nice. The, yeah, the authentic so. original. Nice. Yes, I'm very pleased with my copy of the Footloose soundtrack. It Excellent. brings me such joy. So, I guess so final questions about the album how does this hang together as a soundtrack amazingly it just will make you so happy when you put it on i don't know about the extended version uh, i cannot vouch for the validity of john cougar mellencamp but, yeah like the, uh, the the main nine <laughs> tracks like it's some of it's filler but it's good filler like it's entertaining yeah. enough yeah it's not uh heaven is one step away yeah six hits <laughs> out of nine is is Two out of three ain't bad. As our friend Jim Steinman slash Meatloaf would say. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, so this, I think, is actually our preferred Jim Steinman vehicle. Yeah, between this and, and uh, Streets of Fire, I think so. <laughs> yeah, so the, this really is only one Jim Steinman song. Right. But, uh, you know, we might have to dig deeper into the Jim Steinman oeuvre to really be able to tell. <laughs> and I, I, I look forward to being able to do that in the, in the new year. 
Yes, indeed. So oh, many boy. places to go. So then what are we doing uh, next week? Well, next week we're actually not talking about Jim Steinman because, uh, <laughs> oh boy, we, uh, made, we messed up on that one. But next week we're going way, way back to the Middle Ages to discuss the soundtrack to A Knight's Tale. Ooh. We got Queen, we got David Bowie, we got Hart, and we got everyone's favorite Thin Lizzy song, The Boys Are Back in Town. Oh, God, no. Oh, well, then there's a connection here, Ann Wilson. Ann Wilson, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I love it. I love being able to say that, like, every episode kind of leads into the next one. It's great. Yes, uh, you see, there's these are somewhat incestuous, if you will. Uh, this will be fun. I've never seen A Knight's Tale, even though I believe I was legally required to as a girl in 2002. Mm-hmm. I think you were required by law to have seen A Knight's Tale. But um, so I will. I will finally, I guess, get right with God. I I will. I will say this. I was forced to watch it at gunpoint recently, and I have to admit, it was a pretty fun time. So <laughs> I'm going to subject my friends to it as well. Okay. No, but for real, A Knight's Tale is fun, and I can't wait to talk about it. Okay. I remember that um, a guy I dated his uh, sister had a, the poster on her wall of, of A Knight's Tale. That is literally the extent of my knowledge of <laughs> the, the Knight's Tale poster. That's literally just a picture of Heath Ledger's face. Yeah. Yep, it's on a red background. Yep, that's the one. So, uh, Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday, unless you're John Kreese, in which case don't leave any comments. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take that again. <laughs> I was mostly just to make you laugh. Oh. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. Or you can listen to me over at the Shattered Shield podcast. Joe, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat and in Instagram at Cordial Wombat. Or you can hear me talk about Christmas movies all year round on the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps. Uh, Libby got a sneak preview of our next episode, and I think it traumatized her. Yes, it is deeply upsetting. I was just warning all of you. Um... <laughs> but uh, if uh, you have any questions or comments or suggestions for future episodes, we want to get more of those done in this in the new year. So send those to us at OSTPartyPod on, on uh, Gmail. Or send those to us at OSTPartyPod at gmail.com or find us on the internet or on Twitter, rather, at OSTParty on Twitter. So uh, for the OST Party, I am Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride.